Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Risk! Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years. Every other Thursday we feature just one classic story from the vaults. We ask that you keep the historical context in mind. Today, in 2021, there's a different consciousness. We've always asked storytellers to speak in as unfiltered a way as possible, and yet to tell their stories with as much compassion as possible. Even so, I'm sure the storytellers and the host might have worded some of what they said on these old episodes differently if they'd been recorded more recently. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, a story that Jesse Chap first shared on the podcast in October of 2014. Here's Jesse now with a story we call Pride and Prejudice. Every day that I bartend, I get people coming up to me and trying to guess kind of what I am, but it's always split up between these two very different groups of people. One group of people will always ask me, are you Italian? Are you Greek? Are you Hispanic? Always in that order. But then there's this other group of people, sometimes they won't even order a drink, they'll just sit at my bar and say, are you Jewish? Like, that's the first thing they'll say to me. I always think it's weirder when other people don't ask me that, because I know it's what they're thinking. When they're guessing Hispanic, Greek, Italian, I know they're thinking, are you Jewish? Because that's like the one thing they're waiting for me to respond with. But when it comes down to it, I've never really felt like I was anything else but Jewish. Like, that is my response. And it all like really started with me when I was in the eighth grade and I had to do a project on where my ancestors immigrated to America from. And I was like, mom, where are we from? And she was like, well, we're from Russia. 
And I was like, oh, cool. So we're Russian. I have a country to study. And she was like, well, no, but they're from like little Yiddish colonies within Russia. They only spoke Hebrew. So you're really just Jewish. And so like, I went to my teacher with that. And that wasn't really an acceptable answer to him because Jewish isn't a place. Um, so he didn't really want me to study it. And I told him the whole conversation. He was like, I think you should study Russia. That'd be really good for you. So I did. And you know, I didn't really go into much more detail with that. I just knew there's something a little not kosher about that whole entire thing. But being Jewish was never really something that I felt like was going to define me because everyone around me was Jewish. You know, I grew up in this huge majority. My high school was 4,500 students and it was 60% Jewish. Everyone I knew was a Jew or a friend of the Jews or just like a wonderful person. I came from a very open, loving community. And so that's what I expected the entire world to be. I didn't really know much else outside of my community. I feel like I went until I was like 17 years old till I even realized that the world wasn't really that friendly or open to everyone else. I actually remember the day that I found out that gay people couldn't marry because I felt like that didn't make sense to me. I was confused and I was like, well, what else don't I know about the world? How ignorant am I? What have I been shielded from? What is everyone not telling me? So my senior year in high school, I kind of got a crush on one of the guys in our group. His name was Matt. But he was dating one of the other girls at the time. They had been dating for a little while. She was a little bit younger, but she was a really sweet girl too. And we had known each other for four years, me and Matt, and our feelings for each other became more and more apparent. And like, I felt like he was like emotionally cheating on her in some ways too. And we were kind of crossing that friend line in that way. As everything became more apparent to us, he broke up with her. And I remember when he was telling me about the breakup over AOL Instant Messenger at the time, he told me that he broke up with her because God told him to. And I didn't really question it that much because I was just really happy that he was now single and we could date. So it didn't really, I didn't really think about that too much. And we kind of immediately started dating after that. But things, you know, he changed right away after that happened. And we didn't date for too long, but still. Towards the end of the summer, he came over to my house and we went on a walk and he was acting really, really weird and really quiet. And I was like, well, what's going on, Matt? And I'll never forget it because he just looked at me and very quietly, it was just like, God told me to break up with you. I remember thinking, well, that's not fair. God told you to break up with that other girl too. Like, that can't happen twice in a row. That's not a thing. I realized in that moment that we were both ignoring something that was very important to him. And he told me, he was like, you know, your being Jewish is a problem. Like it can't work out in the end. But I was like 17 or 18 years old. Like I just wanted to date this guy that I had a really big crush on. Why was my being Jewish a problem? We weren't getting married. We were like making out. But he left and I actually never talked to him again. And then I, I moved to go to college. So I went to high school in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, and I only went to college two hours south from there. And I didn't really think that two hours could make a really big difference. 
My roommate, Marie, was actually a really awesome person. Marie and I instantly befriended the four other girls who lived in the two rooms next to us at the end of the hall, and we kind of did everything together. They were all Catholic school girls, too. It's what they all had in common. Except for Marie, they all kind of treated me like a Jew alien. I was the first Jew that they had all never, ever met, and it was really weird because I had never been someone's first Jew before. Uh, They started asking me a lot of questions, and I'll never really forget their gasps as they realized who I was, because I was so foreign to them. I tried to answer all their questions the best I could. I did, after all, have 10 years of Hebrew school behind me, but it was still really weird to just be like bombarded all the time with these questions. It was during the first few weeks of college, too, that we were hanging out in one of the guys' rooms downstairs, and one of the girls said to one of the, the guys... She said, oh, Jesse's a Jew. And I remember looking at their face like, what in the flesh? We have one here? And he like very slowly came over to me and like put his hand on my head. I was just like staring at him because I had no idea what was going on. And he very sincerely asked me, well, where are your horns? And I was completely taken aback, like, oh, so you think that Jews have horns, you think that we're all the devil. But I didn't say that, I I just left the room because I was so shocked that somebody thought that or was taught that or whatever it may be, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> And that whole semester, things like that happened every now and then, and it was always those weird moments of, well, who are all these people that I'm spending my time with? One of the girls in our group, Pam, she would knock on my door every Sunday or every other Sunday and ask me if I wanted to go to church with her, and I always politely turned her down and was like, I'll meet you at brunch. I never really took it too seriously. You know, she always had this thing where she would kind of like laugh through the way she talked, so like I never really knew how to take it anyway. I didn't really want to start a conversation with her either, like, hey, can you stop knocking on my door every Sunday because I'm probably not going to go to church with you. So just, like, kind of let it slide. But there was one night that kind of changed everything for me. I remember it was a Saturday. It was pretty late, and me and four of the girls did something else that night, like ordered dinner and watched a movie. We're just hanging out, and as the conversation usually turned at some point in the night, they started asking me questions about my religion again. And I was, at this point, getting increasingly tired with their questions. I remember the exact question they were asking me when everything happened. One of the girls turned to me and said, well, where do you go when you die? And that's when Pam walked into the room. She hadn't been there with us all night. And so I started to answer the question as best as I could. But even with 10 years of Hebrew school behind me, I didn't really even know the answer because honestly, heaven and hell, especially hell, was never a big focus in Hebrew school or in my, and everything that I learned about Judaism. Like a lot of the focus was on the now and my culture. And that's kind of what was more important to me was my family and my culture, not thinking about the afterlife. But that's when Pam interrupted. She went on this really, really long rant. I call it a hate monologue now. I don't really know what else it would be. And after the entire thing happened, I left my room and went into the staircase and called my best friend who was living in Montreal and cried for an hour 
And then I went back to my room and I proceeded to write down every single word that Pam said to me, something that I'm still not completely sure why I did to this day, but I did. So here is what Pam said to me when she interrupted me that night when I was answering the question about where I go when I die. Jesse, not only are you not one of God's chosen or whatever the fuck you Jews believe, you are going to hell because no one can save you. I can't believe I've spent week after week praying for your soul. I always saw the judgment in your eyes as I asked you every weekend to go to church with me, hoping, praying I could save your lost soul only to learn that you were a Jew and you were probably judging me the moment you met me. So what? You think you're one of the chosen people? I don't give a shit, you know that? You're wrong. Everything you believe and have been taught is wrong. I cannot believe that you've been flaunting this flaw of yours. And I hate to break it to you, but no one can save you now. You are fucked for the afterlife. There is actual proof that the Bible is 100% correct, and no one can argue that. You cannot argue the word of the Bible because there is no truer text. Jesus is all there is, and you are going to hell because you are a traitor. And I don't give a shit what you people believe. There is proof, and I will not stand here sugarcoating it for you. And I don't care that we've bonded over the past semester. My intent was to get you to go to church and save your soul, but apparently that is a pointless task. You and your people are idiots for rejecting the idea of Jesus. It's like fucking Christ killer. He's self-chosen piece of shit. And I am sober. I did not drink tonight because I am a good Christian. This is me saying what is true in my heart, sober and loud for you to hear. You will forever burn for being a Jew, and you better fucking believe that I will no longer waste my time trying to get a hopeless soul who has been cursed so badly with being born Jewish to find the strength to turn to Jesus. No one loves you, not Jesus, not me. You're going to burn like all of your ancestors did before you in the ovens. That's just where you'll end up, and I am so fucking happy for it. So she left the room and there was this silence and the four girls sat there and I could feel just everyone looking at me waiting for a reaction. And after a long minute, one of the girls turned to me and said, I can't believe she said that to your face. And I asked her if that's what everyone thought of me and there wasn't really a response. Everyone just kind of left for their rooms, unsure of what to make of the night. My roommate, Marie, though, and I'm still so thankful for her that night, she turned to me and started apologizing, saying how embarrassed she was and that she doesn't stand with Pam and she can't believe that happened, but she was really afraid to stand up to her alone and she wished she had. And that's when I left the room to go in the hallway and cry. And I'm still really glad that I wrote down everything she said because I'm pretty sure that if I didn't write that down, I would have convinced myself that it never happened. The next morning, I actually decided to confront Pam about it. I remember I thought all night about what I was going to say to her because I'm really bad in the middle of a fight, but I'm great 12 hours later. Plenty of time to think about my response. So I had thought about it for hours, what I was going to say to her. And I knocked on her door and she answered and I said, Pam, I need to talk to you about last night. And she said, what happened last night? Um, well, the things that you said to me when you came in my room. And she said, um, I didn't see you last night. And I was like, well, you did actually. And you said a lot of horrible things to me. And she said, wow, Jesse, um, I was really drunk last night. I don't even remember like coming in your room. I don't remember how I got home. I was like really drunk. 
I kind of decided to like leave it at that because I didn't know if she was lying, if she actually had been drunk, like I don't know what it was, but fine. And there was no point in continuing that conversation and I knew I wasn't gonna get anywhere. So I ended up leaving the school. I moved all the way to the West Coast and started over. I didn't really tell everyone the complete truth about what had happened to me. I told everyone that I missed being in a city and I wanted a better theater program with playwriting, which was all true. But besides my best friend and a few other selective friends since then, you know, I didn't tell anyone about what Pam had done to me that night, what she had said to me and how that was a really big reason and why I wanted to leave because I didn't really feel safe anymore. Because I, I did, I felt a lot of shame about everything that had happened there. And it took a long time of being on the West Coast to really come to terms with it and start to realize who I was outside of Chicago too, in a new city with new friends and new people. Since this happened, this happened almost a decade ago, I've actually been talking to Marie a lot about it and I've seen a lot of the girls since then. They've all grown into such beautiful people. And I was really, really happy that I actually decided to see these girls again because I think I had a really negative attitude from the past about what had happened or an image of how I saw them and remember them from that one night. And then seeing them a few times since then was really good for me. And I haven't seen Pam. I remember one year Marie came up to me and she said, Jesse, she's changed, she's different. You'd be really proud. She's come a long way. And then a few years later she said, I don't know if she's changed. She said something to me the other night and I'm not sure anymore. And I was like, okay. But you know, I was really happy that I decided to see the other girls and I'm, I'm still really glad that I made the decision too and they're still my friends. So at the bar still, you know, I do still get the people who come up to me and just sit down and say, are you Jewish? And sometimes I get a little shy about it or I don't want to respond. But then I, I remember everything that I went through and I, I really am proud of my culture, my heritage and where I've come from and how far I've gotten since that time in college. So now I will respond with, you know, I am Jewish. What do you want to drink? That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.